Welcome to I Hadn't Considered That. I'm Vanessa Torrey, and each week I'll be joined by guests whose perspectives and uncommon experiences can help us better understand each other and the world around us. The unique and inspiring stories you'll hear will make you feel connected to parts of people and life that you hadn't yet considered. Until now. Hi there, and welcome back to I Hadn't Considered That. First, I want to thank all of you who tuned in for the first episode, subscribed, or shared the podcast last week. Our second episode welcomes our first official guest. Joining me this week is Shaney Silver. Shaney is a writer out of New Orleans who has been writing about the single space to reframe how we think about being single. For two years, Shaney wrote the series every single day for Refinery29 while also providing amazing content for Medium, launching her own podcast in early 2020 called A Single Serving, and recently published her first book, A Single Revolution, Don't Look for a Match, Light One. It's a book about changing the narrative around being single and hopefully helping single women feel better about this beautifully free time in their lives. Be sure to check out today's show notes where I've linked to Shaney's social media and her website where you can find info on her podcast and her new book. I've also shared some links to some of my favorite articles that Shaney has written on Medium so that you can get an immediate introduction to her. She is a fitting guest today as it's Valentine's Day. And suffice it to say that I think there's a lot of feelings many people have about the holiday. And I was just dying to talk to Shaney because she has the most wonderful way of showing us perspective that's different and refreshing regarding singlehood and even couplehood. As I mentioned before, this podcast is for everyone. So we don't talk about Valentine's Day just in terms of being single. We talk about it in terms of celebrating love and what it means for everyone. We talk about this from the feminine perspective, mostly because, well, you know, we're women and there is a wide gap in how singlehood is seen depending on whether you're male or female. And we're going to touch on that too. Before we get to Shani and my conversation, I want to provide some nuggets of information. At the very least, this is going to help you on Jeopardy at some point, if that's your thing, or maybe make you a desirable dinner guest, all very good things. One of the things that Shaney and I realized is that neither one of us knew the origin of the holiday. And so, of course, I did some digging and, oh, am I so glad that I did. Here's what I found out about Valentine's Day. And it's actually a hotly debated topic how this came to be. So there is one theory about the holiday's origin that I found particularly saucy and I had to share because it is just too good. So some people believe that Valentine's Day is actually celebrated in the middle of February to commemorate the anniversary of Valentine's death or his burial, which probably occurred around the year 270. Others, however, claim that the Christian church may have decided to place a St. Valentine's feast day in the middle of February in order to Christianize the pagan celebration of Lupercalia. Lupercalia was a bloody, violent, sexually charged celebration awash with animal sacrifice, random matchmaking, and coupling in hopes of warding off evil spirits and infertility. I am blown away by that information. So because before we had mylar balloons, there were goat sacrifices. So good to know. However, the romantic love side of St. Valentine's Day did not actually get connected to February 14th 
until the 14th century when Geoffrey Chaucer mentioned it in the Canterbury Tales. So we're just all going to blame Jeff for this mess. However, the commercialization of Valentine's Day did not start until the 1840s when Valentine's became mass produced. This, though I cannot prove it, was probably around the same time that collective eye rolling the first week of February also became popular just, you know, by happenstance. This has turned into Americans spending $20 billion on Valentine's every single year. Of course, we spend $900 million of that on our pets, which makes me concerned that I'm actually a huge disappointment for my dog. So I'll apologize to her later for that one. All kidding aside, this is the beef that I think a lot of people have with Valentine's Day, whether they are coupled or not, and I totally get that. Personally, I have a huge problem Anytime that human emotion becomes a commodity, I have always felt that there is some part of us that is up for sale every single time we go into the grocery store this time of year and are inundated by the flowers and the balloons and the cards and the pink and the red. And I just don't stand for the commoditization of human emotion. I also acknowledge that this is a pretty piss poor attitude And I also have very little tolerance for piss poor attitudes, whether they are mine or anybody else's. But admittedly, I have very conflicting thoughts on Valentine's Day, and I always have. It's not mattered whether I was in a couple or not in a couple, actively dating, not dating at all. I have struggled to wrap my brain around this holiday. Simply, I don't know what to do with it and how I'm supposed to feel. And for the longest time, I think that I have let external influences dictate how I feel about the holiday rather than taking the time to figure out how I actually feel on my own choosing. This is one of the main reasons why I wanted to have Shaney on the podcast today. I knew if there was one person that could help me look at Valentine's Day in a different way, from a different perspective, it was going to be Shaney. And sweet baby James, did she deliver? Because Shaney is not a writer that's going to wallow in the misery of relationships and negativity that may surround dating and bring it to us today like a box of candy hearts. Her take on Valentine's Day was absolutely what I needed to recalibrate my own thoughts, and I am grateful. So thank you for joining me on this journey, and I hope that you come away today with a different perspective and see this holiday in a way you may not have considered, whether you are coupled or single whether you hate the holiday or you love it. I'm glad you're here. So I'm so excited to have Shaney as my first guest for the podcast uh, because your work has meant so much to me. And I'm hoping that our listeners will grow to love you as much as I do throughout the podcast. But I want to start out with, since this podcast is about people and their perspectives and their stories, I want to give the listeners a chance to get to know you. So my opening question for everyone is always going to be, tell us your story. Oh my gosh, which part do you want? Um, I feel like the abridged podcast-friendly version is that um, I have been single for 14 years And after about 10 years, I um, decided to make some significant changes in the way I 
thought about my life and lived my life and wrote about my life. And um, that sort of eventually snowballed into some really powerful, um, some really powerful perspective changes that made me feel so good and so lucky and so, um, uh, so much better than I think society wanted single women to feel ever. And mm-hmm. if I can, you know, move out of the singlehood misery hellhole that I used to live in and into a space of just absolute joy and gratitude for the, you know, abundant, beautiful life that I'm lucky enough to live. If I can do that, I think other people can too. So I started creating content around um, reframing singlehood and um, learning to see its value and preciousness while we still have it, as opposed to just wishing it away as fast as possible. I started to do that, um, I would say in earnest, probably about three and a half, four years ago. And then three years ago, I launched my podcast, a single serving podcast. And then in October of 2021, I published my first book. It's called A Single Revolution, Don't Look for a Match, Light One. And I'm hoping that it helps change the mindset around what it means to be single, both for single women, but the loftier goal is that I help to change the way society looks at single women, talks about single women, and treats single women. Um, Because I think there's a lot of change on both sides. There's a lot of change that needs to be made in our own minds, and a lot of change that needs to be... um, needs to be made societally in the ways that we uh, treat single women. Well, I love the fact that you have uh, done the work and that you continue to do the work and that you've created this amazingly beautiful space. And I will tell you that I think that what you have done with your work in the realm of reframing singlehood is incredible. It's a huge game changer. Um, I got introduced to your work through Medium because we both write on Medium and the algorithm led me to article after article of yours. And I think that there's definitely a reason for that because I got, I got divorced in 2017 in my early forties and I was completely ill-prepared for what life was going to be like as a single person and as a single woman and what dating was going to be like. And I entered into a world that I didn't know existed. And I didn't frankly like that it existed. And I think that so much of my writing was trying to process what I was experiencing. And then I feel like Medium's algorithm just said, here, let us give you this wonderful resource for you. And boom, enter Cheney Silver. And your book, which I pre-ordered, by the way, the minute that you announced that it was out there, I went to Amazon and then it was one of those, I I was stalking this book. I'm looking like, okay, how many more days? (laughs) When am I going to get it? And then I got it on my doorstep and devoured it. And I sing its praises to everyone. But what I'm going to want to do is I want to talk about that for a minute, but I want to share with listeners some of the most amazing feedback that I saw in your reviews. So I don't know if you're the type of person that reads the reviews. If oh, you I read every word. I read every word, good or bad. It is information. And I want that <laughs> information. True. This is not the only book I will ever write. I want to continue to improve as a person. So I read everything. Oh, you're amazing. I love that. <laughs> Sometimes I just see comments and I can, I'll scan it. And nope, nope, not, not going there today. Um, but here's, here's just a couple. One says, Shaney does a super job tearing down the falsehoods we've all grown up with. 
You're incomplete until your other half. Singleness is a problem to be fixed as soon as possible. A bad relationship is better than no relationship. And another one, which I love is so much of this book resonates with my own personal experience. And while overall, I'm happily single, this book has helped me shed some of my insecurities about showing up in the world as a single person and has helped me realize that I have my rightful place in this world as a fully complete human all on my own. And so (laughs) amazing work you are doing. It's, it's incredible what they have to say. It really is. It's overwhelming in the best way that people take the time to say nice things. Yeah. And that's, I think the true metric of how you're reaching people is when you're reaching people, they're going to be vocal about it, which is again, why I tell everybody and their mother about this great book. Whenever I hear any of my single friends, male or female that say anything negative about being single, I let them know that it doesn't have to be that way. And I will tell you that I am, my last relationship ended about nine months ago and I have been solidly in that single space. And I, like you have deleted all of the dating apps. Congratulations. Thank you. It's an accomplishment. I feel like I downloaded them for a hot second, almost out of spite. And then immediately scurried away. And so I've been nine months without dating apps either. And I think that for the first time in my life, I am feeling really solidly and happy in my singlehood. But I feel like with Valentine's Day, which is the day on which the podcast is going to launch, I feel like making peace with Valentine's Day is like that last piece that you have to move in the Jenga tower. Like it's just sitting there on the bottom and I got to get it to the top without the whole thing collapsing because I mean, sweet baby Jesus, I did not survive cuffing season to fall down on my feet on Valentine's day. Like that's just not going to happen for me, but there's this gauntlet that I think single people run from Thanksgiving to Valentine's day. Here we are end of the gauntlet. So because your work does such a great job of reminding us that we have a choice and more control over our reality than we think, how do we as single people shift that thought process from the leaning tower that could collapse on us to something that we don't have to hate, fear, and avoid? You know, what's so funny is Valentine's Day doesn't affect me at all. What's way harder for me is the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve. That is so much harder for me than Valentine's Day. I couldn't give less of a shit about Valentine's Day. I also don't know if I can swear on your podcast, but I just did. You absolutely can swear on Okay, I hope that isn't a problem. Um, Here's the thing about Valentine's Day. It's not asking anything of you. You are not obligated to Valentine's Day in any way. Nothing is required of you. Nothing is being demanded of you. It is simply a day on a calendar and it is your choice how you feel about that day. Um, we've had a lot of societal encouragement to fear that day as singles, to feel really lacking on that day as singles, to feel left out, to feel um, unwanted, to feel bad. Um, there's a lot of societal encouragement for that, but you don't have to listen to any of it. That's not required of you. It really isn't. Um, hating Valentine's Day is a choice. Loving Valentine's Day is a choice. And that will be true regardless of whether or not you're single or partnered. Personally, I actually really like Valentine's Day. Um, I sometimes think that I will always enjoy it more as a single than I will 
as part of a couple, unless I happen to partner with someone who happens to enjoy the day and we both feel like, you know, genuinely celebrating together on that day and hopefully not only on that day. Um, but, you know, I've grown up getting a Valentine from my mother every year of my life. And that's, oh, that's so cute. you know, regardless Love of whether that. or not I have somebody, it's like, it doesn't matter to me because that's how I associate Valentine's Day is I just get something nice from my mom. And now that I think about it, I never send her anything back. And that's such a dick move. So this year I'll need to send her a card. I guess I need to do that like right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's your choice. It is always your choice. Valentine's Day does not require anything of you. It doesn't. Um, we just, we assign all this stuff to it because partly because we've been groomed too, and partly because we've never asked ourselves why we're doing it. Or if we have a choice, you do have a choice. You get to ignore the day. You get to celebrate the day. You get to celebrate Valentine's day. I, I just said this on another podcast a couple of days ago. What is bad about chocolate in a heart shaped box? Are you kidding me? First of all, that's comedy. Second of all, it's delicious. Like I just, I struggle to find the badness. I really do. Um, the badness for me comes in the obligatory plans that couples are expected to make. It's right. less, you know, it's, I get better responses about Valentine's day from singles than I do couples. Cause when I ask a couple what they're doing for Valentine's day, I get nothing but rolled eyes. Oh, absolutely. My last boyfriend just didn't do Valentine's day. And so I just didn't know how to feel about that. And part of me was like, well, I've waited so long to have somebody on Valentine's day and now I don't get a Valentine's day. And so now I feel slightly let down where I felt less let down the year before, because I set the level for what my day was going to be like. And I'll tell you my favorite thing about Valentine's day is actually February 16th. And I'll tell you why, because when you go to the grocery store, all of those flowers that nobody purchased on Valentine's Day are now half off. And I will go into the grocery store and I will treat myself to all of those flowers and walk out waving to people as I walk through the door like I just won the Miss America pageant. I am the happiest person in the entire world. Mm -hmm. But I think that you hit on something that is really poignant, which is I don't know how much of a choice we have on how we feel about Valentine's Day at a very young age. I was thinking about it in terms of, I don't know if your school did this, but my school did this. And especially in high school, it's worse. Like in, in elementary school, we had to decorate the shoebox. You didn't have to do this. We had to decorate the shoebox with a little slit in the top. And then we had to go to the grocery store and get the Charlie Brown Valentines that we had to oh, write out. Yeah, we gave those day. out. Yeah. And then high school comes around. High school comes around and you have the love grams. And I don't know if your school did this, but mine did. And it is like you pay a dollar and somebody shows up in your homeroom class with carnations for everybody. And you're sitting there, at least I sat there like Gretchen Wiener in Mean Girls. And so I think that as a young age, there's pressure on it. We're freaking seven-year-olds running around feeling like crap on Valentine's Day. There were so many examples of the othering of the unwanted girls in my public school education. So many examples. I grew up in Texas mm -hmm. and homecoming was the first one of the year because the girls that got invited to the homecoming dance would get a gigantic Texas homecoming mom. And if you've never seen yes. one of those before, Google it and have a good afternoon. 
I never got one. Insane. They're insane, but I wanted one so bad and I never got one because in four years of high school, I never got invited to the dance. So I never got a homecoming mom. And that has bothered me my whole life because they were so, at the time in my head, they were like so pretty and they they were like bells on them and glitter and sparkles. And I never got one. And that was like right at the beginning of the year. And then there was Christmas when I never got anything from anybody at school. And then there was Valentine's Day when I never got any of the little um, like flower gram things that people would buy. It was just like opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for the world to tell me how unwanted I was. And um, in some ways that's like criminal to do to a child because that's what I was, a child. Um, But in other ways it was incredibly educational and I wouldn't want to go back and change any of it because I am who I am today because of what I've lived through. So nothing was, nothing was like, nothing was incorrect. Nothing was regrettable. It was all part of an education that I'm very grateful to have. But I think we do have to think about the ways that we socialize children to think about romantic love and its importance, particularly young girls to think about the ways that we think about romantic love, the ways we think about desire, the ways that we value ourselves. And I think too many of the ways that we value ourselves are in relation to whether or not somebody else values us. There's so many things I'm just so done with in the ways that we've always done them. Like it's okay for me if Valentine's Day moves forward, but it needs rebranding. It it needs like a new suit because the old one is tattered and ugly and it's, it's tacky and I hate it, but I have hope that you know, we can make positive changes moving forward to things like Valentine's Day. What do you think that looks like? Because my, one of the things that I loathe about Valentine's Day is the meme that inevitably somebody is going to post online today that is happy Valentine's Day, or as I like to call it, single person's awareness day. And that, that drives me insane because I would, I don't know about you, but I would frankly I would take 24 hours of being inundated with being reminded that I'm single if for 364 other days, people would leave me the hell alone about it. <laughs> I mean, people 100%. will leave you alone about it whenever you want to be left alone. It's your decision whether or not somebody's invading your space. Um, mm-hmm. But I really, and, and however somebody needs to get through Valentine's Day, let them. But I don't find the self-deprecating jokes to be very positive or very effective no. at respecting single people, particularly single women. Um, so I don't participate in any of that shit. And, um, when I have the energy and capacity, I call it out, um, because ignoring it is what they told me to do about the bullies and the bullies never went away. So I don't have to ignore shit that I have a problem with. So how can we, how can we rebrand this? How can we make this look different and add polish to something that is tarnished? A very basic starting line is there is so much love. There are so many different kinds of love. There are so many different relationships that involve love. And we have always had a historically pretty narrow view of romantic love existing between one partner and another partner, probably a heterosexual couple, um, more recently non-heterosexual couples, but it's typically just a romantic partnership between two people. I think we start by celebrating a variety of different kinds of love. If if not just like tossing the holiday out because like, who is this helping? Like who is benefiting from Valentine's Day still existing? Does anyone even know its origin? Like is what meaning does it even have? Um, but if we want to, if we want it to stick around, I think it's going to have to start involving so many different kinds of relationships and expressions of love. Um, Cause celebrating love is great. I love celebrating love and believe me, I'm dying for more celebrations of love that go beyond the wedding because I'm so 
unbelievably done with weddings. I I want, oh my God, more variety and celebrating love, more like flexibility, more inclusivity, just like, I'm just tired and bored, I think with the whole wedding thing. And like, I've known for years that I'm not going to have a wedding. I'm going to have a very chic city hall situation. And then I'm getting on an airplane. I I am team um, 24 hour church of Elvis. In Las oh, Vegas. nice, nice. That is, nice. if I ever got married again, and that is a big, that is a big if, because if you want to rid yourself of the need to ever be married, get divorced twice. Mm. And I firmly believe that if you want to start a marriage that immediately is starting on the wrong foot, have a wedding. Right. Because everything about it is horrible. It is way too taxing. And also as a woman, if you have a heterosexual wedding, you have a woman doing every single bit of the work that she probably doesn't want to do that she feels pressure to do while the man just kind of shows up on that day in a tux and you're starting straight out of the gate with an imbalance in the power. And that to me feels horrible and archaic. I would rather, you know, my dad just give somebody some goats. I don't, I don't know. I, let's bring back the whole dowry. I'm fine with that. Just I'm fine with it as long as it goes both ways. Right. I talked to. I deserve like, goats. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the best wedding I've ever attended in my life. The most fabulous party. Just the most incredible, incredible weekend ever. I spoke to the bride a week before her wedding just to check in on her and ask her how she was doing. And all she said to me was, Shaney just elope a week before the best wedding I've ever been to. She told me not to do what she had done. And I was like, you don't have to twist my arm. Fine. You touched on the idea of celebrating love in general. And I personally wish that is how we looked at it as you're right. There is so much love. So for Valentine's day, um, I made plans and I'm super excited about them because one of my friends Uh, owns a flower shop. And this is the biggest day of her entire year. And so on Sunday, I'm going to go over and help her with the flower arrangements. And I'm going to spend all day Monday delivering flowers for her. So I get to be the one, this is so fun. I get to be the one that shows up at someone's door and hands them this beautiful gift of flowers. I get to see the reaction because people are just going to be bowled over and I get to experience a joy that I don't necessarily get, but being able to see it, I'm such an empath that when I see other people experience that level of joy, it makes me so happy. I think that's a perfect way to spend the day. Why I love your mom sending you the Valentine. What a beautiful soul she is to see the importance of recognizing you just as a human being that is worthy of love and gives it how sweet is she she's never um she's never made me feel pressured to get married or have kids either she's been married four times and so she's never put pressure on me to do anything of the kind and you know what it's so funny this morning I got a notification from UPS there's a box coming to me from Fort Worth and that's where my family lives and I'm like is that it I'm like so excited I can't wait um but maybe it's not because some years it's just a card. Whatever it is, though, she doesn't forget that I exist on Valentine's Day, which is which is very nice. Um, and my stepfather always texts me, too, which is super sweet. Um, and that's all I need. I don't I mean, I got a card in the mail to my P.O. box from a podcast listener that was a Valentine and it was just the sweetest. Um, you know, there's so much opportunity for sweetness to show it and to receive it. And um, 
you know, it's a choice. If you want to hate Valentine's Day, if you want to shit on it, if you want it to be the worst day ever, go ahead. That's your choice, but you don't have to. (laughs) We recognize deficits probably much more than we recognize the completeness of what we actually do have. And I know that you talk a lot about that in terms of allowing single people to see themselves as complete and done and finished. And I think that that inability to see everything around us is part of that self-imposed gap in who we are. Mm -hmm. For sure. So what are some small things that single people can do? And even, I'm not even just going to include single people in this. I'm going to include the people like me last year who their person does not celebrate the holiday and they feel something is missing. What can, what can we do besides buying all of the chocolate on the 15th to take care of ourselves? Well, you have to start showing yourself that your life is real and valid and, um, that it is not a waiting room. Your single life is not a waiting room for the couple part of your life. Your life is real and, um, worthy of being lived fully right now. And honestly, the first thing I think you should do is buy a kitchen appliance. That's what I think every single person should Tell do is more. buy buy a kitchen appliance because how many of us have lived without certain things in our late 20s, early 30s maybe because we figured we would register for it. I've never thought about that. See, I hadn't considered that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, okay, I love it. The kitchen appliance. Have you done this? What did? Tell me about your experience. What What do you have? Like, because I know that you just moved. What are some of the things that you've done for yourself in that space that brought you joy because you didn't wait for it? Okay. So my gateway purchase was a set of bowls. I woke up one day in my like, I don't know, early to mid thirties. And I realized the mixing bowls I was using in my kitchen were the ones I had from college that was humiliating. And I was like, what am I waiting for? I hate these bowls. Why are they still in my life? So I grabbed them, I threw them in the garbage and I went online and I bought a new set of bowls. I have since bought another set because even the set that I bought was shitty still. I like still didn't fully believe that I was worthy of nice things. Now I have a gorgeous set. Um, But yeah, the bowls was first because when they, when the nice bowls arrived at the house, I realized that I had just removed from my field of vision, something I hated that was a reminder that I wasn't allowed to have nice things yet. And I had replaced it with a nicer version that reminded me that I was allowed to have whatever I want. And I'm telling you, this was a $20 purchase. You don't have to spend a lot of money to show yourself what you're worth. But then once the bowls came, I started to get very pissed that I was still like whipping and chopping everything by hand. And I was like, fuck this. I'm getting a Cuisinart. And it just so happened that Black Friday was around the corner. And I'm like, on Black Friday, I am buying a Cuisinart. And I bought one. And I absolutely, that was what really did it. That was a, because now I have, you know, whatever appliances I have decided to buy since. I've been gifted some great ones too. But um, it's about, and it doesn't have to be something in your kitchen. If you don't cook, don't buy an appliance. But maybe it's your, um, maybe it's your bedroom. Do you have nice pillows on your bed? Do you have linen that you like? Um, is the lighting in your bedroom good for reading? Is it set up the way that you like? Is are you are you sleeping on one side of the bed still, or are you sleeping in the middle of the bed like you are allowed to? Like you know, ask yourself like what you're waiting for. Ask yourself what components of your life feel like a waiting room for the coupled part of your life. 
and start chipping away at them one at a time. It doesn't have to be a huge overhaul. Just take one small thing that you think you can't do because you're single and do it because you will find out quickly that you can. You can do whatever you want to do single that you can in a couple. You get to choose all of the things that you want that are not dependent on someone. So case in point, um, I'm going through some major life changes right now. And one of them is that I'm selling my house. I just got the paperwork this morning for an apartment in downtown Phoenix. Nice. That is 800 square feet and all mine. And as part of that, in getting rid of my furniture, um, I have ordered a pink velvet couch. Perfect. Perfection. Absolute perfection. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody has said, wow, you're really committing to this whole single thing. And I'm like, no. You're committing to yourself. Couch. Exactly. I am committing to not caring what other people think. Because if I met a man and he didn't want to hang out with me on my pink couch, that is clearly not the man for me. No, I mean, probably the right man for you would like a pink couch. Right. He would love the fact that I had the cojones to just order myself a pink couch because that's what I wanted and that's what I was going to get. Yes. And men can like pink things, just FYI. They absolutely can. And a lot of them look fantastic in them. And I'm 100% here for it. I love a man in a pink shirt. But I think that being in a single space is not difficult to be in that space and be happy. But the external influences need to get on the same page with us. And I think we'll get there. And you're helping amazingly to do that. Thank you. I think it's going to be slow, though. I don't think anybody should rely on that. I think you have to rely on what is within your control and your thoughts and your feelings are within your control. If you wait for society to catch up, you're going to be waiting a long time. If you wait for um, single ma- heterosexual single male culture to catch up, you're going to be waiting a long time. Um, but you get to decide how you feel today. You get to choose your thoughts today. Your thoughts get to influence your emotions today. Um, it's, you know, we don't have to wait for anybody to change the way that we think and feel about our single lives. And until, um, until we move from a place where a single man is seen as a catch and a single woman is seen as a burden, until we move into a place where they are both seen as equal catches. And by the way, that's the only kind of relationship that I want. One where you can't tell who's the catch, me or him. Um, until right. we move forward from that, um, you're going to have to take matters into your own mind because that's where single shame lives. And um, it's not real. The ways that people have shamed single women, they're not real. They're things that human beings invented to shame single women, but it's not real. There's nothing that a person in a couple can do that you as a single cannot do. Nothing. People shame us because it benefits them, that there is a, a higher purpose, whether it is monetary, whether it is emotional. And again, it goes back to the dating apps. Dating apps are built on the idea that they're going to make me feel horrible about my life, about me, about the people that I'm seeking. And it is a feedback loop that removed out of our lives helps us to be more clear. So I guess one last final question is, I think that you have really put some amazing information out there on how single people can deal with the commentary from people who are coupled. And one of the things that this podcast so strongly focuses on is I want couples to listen to this, people who are in relationships so that they can understand their single friends better and how not 
to say things that seem innocent, but hurt. So Mm -hmm. how can single people address and deal with behaviors or comments from coupled people that are a detriment to our own growth? Well, you can remind yourself where they're coming from. Um, They're coming from a place that has a lack of perspective. They're coming from a place that's not experiencing the life that you're experiencing. A lot of the times, for lack of a better way to say it, they just don't know any better because they grew up in the same society that we grew up in. And they think that your singlehood is a valid topic of conversation um, as opposed to potentially a a private one uh, and definitely one that deserves a lot more respect than it gets. Um, And if there is a relationship that is, you know, just perpetually saying things or uh, insinuating things that are hurtful, you are allowed to let that person or that couple know that your singlehood is not the center of you. Your singlehood is not the only thing about you. You are a, a entire person with an entire life that has very little to do with the fact that you're single And if you are encountering someone who wants to continually center your singlehood as the thing about you, let them know that they're wrong. You're allowed to say, there are things we can talk about other than my singlehood because my singlehood is private. My romantic life is private and it deserves respect. And right now it's not getting respect. So, um, you know, you can clap back all you want and you can say things like, you know, well, how happy is your marriage? Like you can do shit like that if you want to, but I find it a bit small. Um, I think we can do a lot more good for, um, for ourselves and for people that they're going to encounter in the future and, and maybe hopefully change narratives for other people who are um, communicating with singles. But remember their perspective. In their mind, you're lacking something. But their lack of perspective um, does not mean that you are lacking a partner. It's just their perspective. It does not have to be your truth. I love that. That's Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Is there any other final words of advice or things that we didn't touch on that you want to share for the listeners, whether they are tuning in because they're trying to learn more about the single space as somebody that doesn't live in it or somebody who's trying to navigate it? I think we touched on it a bit, but please don't wait for a partner for your life to start. Please don't hold yourself back or live less because you think that nothing is real until there's two of you. Um, Your life is real right now. You are real right now. And another way to say that you're single is that you're alive because the default setting of a human being is one person alone. We're not automatically partnered with people. That's not how life works. You are automatically you. You are an individual. And the other way to say I am single is I am alive. So please just remember that it's a completely valid way to exist. I'm sorry that the world does not back us up in that feeling, but um, what the world thinks doesn't have to be your, your center, your, your driving force. You are allowed to choose your thoughts. You are allowed to choose your feelings. Um, And with practice, a step at a time, it does get easier to do that. And the good thing is that the more you show yourself that your single life is real and valid, Um, single life is going to give you support for that right back because it is really wonderful once you start living it fully. Thank you so much for joining us today. New episodes launch every Monday, so I hope you'll be back. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's several ways to show your support. First, by rating the podcast and leaving a review, you help others to find great content. 
Second, if you're looking for further connection, consider becoming a patron of the podcast, where you'll have a fun and interesting way to connect with others and even get more information on perspectives and things you may not have considered. Lastly, please share this podcast with a friend. The number one way that podcasts reach more people is through sharing and word of mouth. I appreciate you and your beautiful open mind. See you soon.